Welcome to another life-changing message brought to you with the compliments of Touch the Nations Ministries. May you be blessed as you allow the Word of God to touch and transform your life through the following message from Dr. Ben Kleinans. Now this morning, what I want to do is, I spoke to you for a couple of Sundays now on Reformation. I want to close the, the subject, but I, I felt like the Lord said to me, I'm not done with it yet because I want to just move in a, in a different direction connecting with what I've said the last couple of Sundays when I spoke on Reformation. And I want to start by using the scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 6 in the Amplified. But it says this, For the weapons of your warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God, for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. There must come an overthrow and a destruction of strongholds. Hello? They must come. An overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that set itself up against the true knowledge of God... And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ the Messiah. To punish every disobedience when our own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. So we know that God, and I spoke to you about reformation. Reformation is actually the qualifying of the church in order to punish disobedience. We have to punish disobedience. You and I have to punish disobedience. But I want to connect it with something else. I want to connect it this morning with your thought life. Because I felt we need to deal with this thing. Because we spoke about reformation. We spoke about obedience. And we spoke about disobedience. We spoke about how we should handle and deal with these things. But I want to show you actually how to pull down these strongholds. I want to show you how to overthrow and bring destruction to these strongholds in your life so that you can punish disobedience, so that you can walk in the fullness of obedience and so that you can become, come to the place of fully secured and complete in Him. Would you like to know that? Yeah. First of all, the Bible says this. Uh, you lead every thought and purpose away captive. And it connects obedience into the obedience. Of Christ. So you lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So <clears throat> how do we come to obedience? By regulating our thought life. Because that's what it connects. It connects thoughts with obedience. You'll always struggle with obedience if you struggle with your thought life. Because you lead every thought away into obedience. So your, obey or your obedience is directly connected with your thought life. Yes, and, oh, let me put it this. Let me flip it. Let me flip it. In other words, you'll never come to a place of obedience if you do not govern your thought life. Yes. Let me put it to you another way. You will always be in disobedience if you struggle with your thought life. Yes. It's very important that we should understand this as a church. Very important. I'll connect it now with the word. You'll see. Now, Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to read something there and I'll come back to the scripture again. Just to connect this message with our thought life. 
And it's a whole story about Peter, and I've, and I've done this before. I mentioned it before, but I'm going to show you something else out of this passage. Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 23 to 32 in the NIV. After he had dismissed them, this is Jesus, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. So where did you find Jesus? Where do you find him? In the wind and in the storms. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Listen to me. Many times you want to get away from your storms. Many times you want to get away from your situations that you're facing. Not realizing that your Christ, the answer, is in your storm and in your wind. And you know what you do? You curse your crisis. You start to rebuke your wind. You start to rebuke the waves, not realizing that your answer and your solution is in the waves and in the wind. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 20, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. You see, the church can only act on a command of God, on the word of God, in obedience. Verse 29, come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. You see that Peter got out of the boat, but his perception, he perceived, he assumed in his mind certain things. He felt a strong wind. The five senses started to influence his belief system. What he felt, his senses started to influence his belief system. That's why he started to doubt. But listen to me. Out of the boat, that's where you'll experience the winds and the storms. But you can be in the wind and in the storm, but in the boat. Because the Bible says, when he got into the boat, there was no more wind. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. You see, the thing is this. God will take you into the wind and into the storm. But he will not take you in naked. He'll take you in the safety of the boat. And then sometimes we see Jesus, we are so excited about him because we got afraid of the storm. And then we say, Lord, command me, come. And then he says, come, I'm going to show you how to live a higher dimension of life, how to live above the storms and circumstances. Then he tells you, come out of the boat. And the moment you get out of the boat, the next moment your senses are activated and what you perceive through your senses are the winds and the storms. And in your natural eyes, you start to look at these storms and you start to sink. And therefore you have to get back into the boat so that the winds can die in your life. Now, this is good preaching. But actually what God was after, he's showing you two things. That when you stay in the boat, 
that there will be no wind. Because in the boat, your five senses will not be activated. But the moment God causes you and wants you to start to live a higher dimension of life, where you come into such a place of intimacy with Him, where you walk with Him, talk with Him, where you have such a dimension of intimacy that God will have to cause you to get out of your boat. And when you get out of the boat, there is a great, 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 great possibility that you'll have to face the storms and the wind. And that is what has happened with a lot of you. That you've been plain sailing for a long time. But now Jesus is saying, hang on guys, it's time to upgrade. It's time to have a higher life, higher dimension of life, higher intimacy. Let me introduce you to the apostolic. Come walk on the water with me. Come on and walk on the water with me. And you see, I think it's really the desire of God the Father for all of us to get out of the boat. Because once we get out of the boat, we enter into a higher dimension of the supernatural life, which has to become natural. And many of you have put your foot out of the boat. And the moment you put your foot out of the boat, you were forced to face the winds and the storms. And I want to show you this morning, if you can deactivate your doubt, which operates through your five senses, when you can deactivate your doubt, your thought life, if you can deactivate your thought life and live by obedience, you will live in the supernatural. Then you will not see the storms and you will not feel the wind because you will not concentrate on them. And this season, you will have ample opportunity to doubt. Ample opportunity. We've been called into the season, thrust into this dimension. And there will be ample opportunity. When you look at me in my imperfectness, you will doubt. If you look at things around about people, church, many things will cause you to doubt. But you're looking at the wrong things. Let me just give you Matthew 11, what Jesus said. Verse 6 in the Amplified. It says this, And blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth. There's many things that will hinder you, that will cause you to stumble, that will cause you to be offended, to be able to walk in truth. See, Peter could have walked in a higher dimension and reality of truth. But he stumbled. He stumbled. Because he started to doubt. His thought life was activated. And he started to look at the waves and the wind. And he got fearful. But God is saying, when you have put your foot on this journey that I've sent you now. This journey of where you're going to walk into a higher dimension and reality of truth. You have to understand. That there's something that can make you or break you, and that is your thought life. Your thought life will cause you to be either obedient or disobedient. I'm going to show you something more just now. But you have to realize that walking after this truth, 
that there will be many opportunities that will present itself for you to be offended, for you to stumble, and for you to be hindered to see the truth. If Jesus said this, if Jesus said, blessed is he who takes no offense at me, then I want to say there can be reasons for offense. If he said, blessed is he, uh, finds no cause for stumbling, then there can be reason for stumbling. If he says, and is not hindered from seeing the truth, then there might be many reasons for you to be hindered from seeing the truth. But it's your perception. And actually, in fact, it's your obedience. When you bring your thought life into captivity, when you lead your thoughts captive, that's when you start to operate in obedience. And the moment you start to operate in obedience, that's when you, you will not be offended, you will not stumble, and you will not be hindered to walk in the fullness of the truth. Matthew 15 says this. This is Jesus, amplified, verse 16, 20. And he said, Are you also even yet dull and ignorant? In other words, without understanding and unable to put things together. So he's talking about our thought life, our reasoning. And Jesus is saying, why are you so dull? Why are you so ignorant? And I like what I said last Sunday with Franz said, in this season we're not in the age of goosebumps, we're in the age of, of knowledge and understanding. Yes. Information, revelation. Because even Jesus said to his generation, why are you so dull? Why are you so ignorant? You see, if you're dull, if you're ignorant, if you're uninformed, if you don't walk in revelation, your thought life will always, always cause you to stumble because you will not be able to bring your thought life to captivity so you can walk in obedience because you don't have understanding. But God is bringing us to a higher level of understanding of what this season is about. So that we can take our thought life, which is contrary to the truth in this season, captive. So we can become obedient. Verse 19 says this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Watch this. Then he qualifies it. Reasonings and disputings and designs. That's what will happen. In your thought life, there's reasonings, disputings, and designs. Let me refer back to 2 Corinthians 10, our first scripture, verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute what? Arguments and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that set itself up against the true knowledge of God. So we find that our problem is in, in dullness, in not having enough understanding, in unable to put things together. If we live in that dimension, then we will have evil thoughts, we will have reasonings, we will have disputings, we will have arguments, we will have every lofty thing that will set itself up against the true knowledge of God. And therefore, you will struggle to walk in obedience because your thought life is active in the wrong way. That's why we find that scripture that I read to you last Sunday in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and extravagantly against and over all that is called God or that is worship. Taking his seat in the temple of God. That is your heart. That is your heart. The temple of God. Your life. Proclaiming that he himself is God. Yes. Let me refer back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians. 
Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty things that set itself up against or opposing the true knowledge of God. So if we're not going to embrace the true knowledge and understanding of God or the truth as Jesus mentioned in Matthew 11 verse 6, then we can have a problem because now Satan will masquerade as God. And it will come and sit in the heart of your life and everything that is true, everything that is accurate, everything that is God, he will come and he will have a state of arrogance, of loftiness, exalting himself, masquerading as God and opposing those truths. How? Through reasonings, through disputings, through arguments. And that will cause you to be an unbeliever and walk in disobedience. See, Satan will always masquerade himself. And opposing what is true. You don't have to reason the truth. If it's the truth, there should be no reasoning. But if you're living a life where you consistently find yourself reasoning, arguing. What is the other word? Disputing. Refuting. Then you have to know that you're already at a place of disobedience. Because how does obedience come? Through pulling down, through the mind that pulled down the strongholds. Against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought away captive into the obedience of Christ. So what the devil will constantly do with you. Remember he masquerades as God. Here is the process. He will push you like he did with Eve. And he said, did God say? Is that the truth in the Bible? Is that what God really meant when he said that? You see, he masquerades as God. He doesn't come and tell you. He doesn't come and tell you it's not God. He, tells, he asks you, is it God? He comes and asks and masquerades as if he is God asking him the question, did I really say that? And that's where the church struggles. That's why we struggle with reformation. Because we still revert back to our understanding and experience of yesterday. Listen to me. Your thought life will only lead you back to yesterday. Your thought life does not take you into the future. Listen, I'm going to qualify. It's when you meditate on the Word of God that the future will be revealed to you. But the moment you start to think, it is always using the past experience and understanding, theories, philosophies, knowledge to measure up with what God is saying now. I tell you what, this stuff is deep. If you can master this thing, you'll be gone. But the moment your thought life is activated, it means you are activating your past. And what is your past? Your past is your experience that you had with God in the previous season. That's why the moment I touch fathers and sons, it was so opposing to that which was our understanding of yesterday. That it upset us so much. Because we wanted to measure the yesterday with the today. 
with the truth of today and we stumbled, we got offense and we got hindered at walking the truth because our thought life was activated. We said, did God say this? When your thought life gets activated, the first thing you must check, who's sitting on the throne of my heart? Am I after truth? Or is there now something that manifests in my life presenting himself, masquerading himself as though he tries to be God in my life. That's why the Bible says, it's not me. It's you that have to lead your thoughts captive. Romans 8 verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Watch this. Help me, Jesus. The moment you start to activate your thought life, most of your thought life is resident in your soulish, fleshly dimension. Because it has got to do with your understanding and your experience. That's why we have scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 that says this, we don't know each after, after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. But many times when I travel, I always have this little black book of mine. And what I many times do is, I would grab this book and I would start to write. Because you'll see, I've got a little book at, in my office where I take these pages out and put it in, just for someday. God many times gives me things. And I wrote this. I was just meditating on something that happened and I wrote this. The way you uncover your father's nakedness is by looking. By looking, by looking at him. And when you look at him, you see the faults, the mistakes, the inaccuracies in life. That's when you look on his nakedness. That's when you uncover his nakedness. But by uncovering his nakedness, you are looking at him. And when you look at him, your thought life and your reasoning life are activated. You cannot look without your thought life being activated. That's why Jesus is saying, if you, if you only look at a woman. In the past, if, if you were adulterous, you were stoned. But in the New Testament, the Bible says, if you, if you only just look at a woman, you've already sinned. Why? Because your thought life gets activated. That will bring you to disobedience. That will lead you contrary to what Christ is. But it says this. And I said this. Your looking must be deactivated. Otherwise, you will ponder upon the flesh instead of looking in the Spirit. And that scripture says, we know not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now watch this. That word know is the strong words I do, I do. It means this. It means to know, to behold, to consider. But it means this, to look upon. When you know somebody, look upon them. We don't look upon each other after the flesh anymore. But we look upon each other by the Spirit of God. It also means this. To gaze with wide open eyes. A continued inspection. To spy. So if you look at the nakedness of your father, you're actually spying him out. You're inspecting him. And the moment when you look upon him and you look wide-eyed and inspecting him, spying out, then your thought life is activated, your reason is activated, you'll find many faults. That's when your thoughts start to get activated. And that's when disobedience, and then you start to walk contrary to the word of God. That's why the Bible says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. Carnal means fleshly. 
So when we know each other after the flesh, then we look at each other after the flesh. Then that fleshly mind is activated. And when that fleshly mind is activated, God is saying, this is against me. It's enmity against God. I'm telling you what, this is a higher life. This is looking at the body of Christ, the called out ones, the chosen of God, not with a sin conscious mind, but looking at them, realizing that these are God's children that he paid a price for. It's his people. And we cannot look at them with a carnal mind, a fleshly eye, but we have to discern them by the Spirit of God. Matthew 15, verse 89. These people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts hold off and are far away from me. Uselessly do they worship me, for they teach as doctrines the commands of men. Let me read the NIV. Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people came near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, this is, we cannot just talk. Is when we have brought every thought captive and we've come into obedience with Christ, then it will not be lip service anymore, but God will have our whole heart because everything on the inside of us will be devoted to Him. But if you still have reasonings, arguments, theories, thought life being activated, it means that you have not fully come into obedience. You live a life of disobedience. You have a carnal mindset. And then it means you will have only lip service, serving, worshiping God, and your heart will be far from God. And when your heart is far from God, it says this, their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. In other words, if I can use these words, your practice then of your religion, that your practice then of your belief or your Christianity means nothing because it will only be a couple of rules. So we cannot serve God just with our mouth. But we have to serve Him with our heart. Our whole heart needs to be connected with Him. And the way your heart gets connected with Him is by not having a carnal mindset because there will be enmity against God, but pulling down strongholds living a life of obedience. Hebrews 4. So then there is still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest. Watch this now. I want to show you something. That no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience. So if I can flip that scripture, listen to me. You will have no rest if you live a life of disobedience and unbelief. Disobedience and unbelief are the same thing. I'll prove it to you just now. But God is saying, there will be always turmoil in your life if you're at a place of disobedience. Rest can only come when you stop reasoning, argumenting, when you've punished all disobedience. When you've taken away your thought life captive into obedience. Are you with me? So if you experience a, a turmoil on the inside of you, if you're agitated, if you feel you're not at a place of rest, you see, rest is not sitting at the beach with something in your hand and lying on, you know, a nice recliner. You understand? That's not rest. Listen to me. Rest is not laying your head down on a pillow and sleeping. Same with joy. 
Joy's not having something to drink and now you're full of, oh. It's something that happens on the inside of you. Rest is something that comes in that is actually birthed on the inside of you. And you can step into that place of rest without having to lay your head down. And how do you do it? By taking your thought life captive. By not walking in unbelief and disobedience. So if you struggle with rest, Check your thought life. Because it has activated unbelief and it has activated disobedience. And therefore you cannot have rest. No matter what kind of pill we give you. You need the gospel. He says, for the word of God speaks. How does the word of God speak? To the karuks, the preacher. What is the karuks? He's the herald of divine truth. So what does disobedience do? It will hinder you from walking in to see that truth. Matthew eleven six. So God is raising up men, for the word of God speaks is alive, full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of the life and spirit and of joints and marrow. Watch this. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging. Watch this. The very thoughts of the heart. So, to come back to Matthew 11. And blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is he who takes no offense at me and finds no no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth. The word of God is always the truth. And that truth will come and, watch this, judge you. It will come and detest you. And where does the truth of God come and judge you and test you? In your thoughts. You thought it's going to be your actions. Oh, I've sinned. I've messed up. Did that. No, 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 no. It happened long time ago. When you did not pull the strong hold down. When, when, you act, when your thought life was activated. Your actions are but an outflow of your thought life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs. Whatever manifests in your life is actually just showing us what you're thinking. Or it shows us how much of your thought life have you taken captive into obedience. For the God of this world has blinded the unbeliever's mind that they should not discern the truth. That's 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So what is his purpose with you? He wants to keep you blinded. And when he has gotten you to a place of blindness, then he calls you an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever is a disobedient person that does not have rest. Because he has not come into obedience. Because he hasn't taken his thought life captive. 
That's the formula. So what is his purpose with you? To keep you ignorant. To cause you to walk in darkness. But this word that God is releasing now will judge your thought life. And the reason it will judge your thought life, it will expose your thought life. It will analyze and sift your thought life. That's what that scripture says. The reason he does that is to see how much of your thought life have you taken into captivity, into obedience of Christ. How does reformation come? When we punish all disobedience. How do you punish disobedience? By taking your thoughts captive. Acts 17 verse 11 says, says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character, remember, than the Thessalonians, because they researched the scriptures daily, whether that which Paul taught, whether it was the truth or not. The Amplified says this, Now these Bereans were better disposed and more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they were entirely ready and accepted and welcomed the message with inclination of mind and eagerness, searching out and examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, they did not activate their thought life to start to reason and argue about the truth. No, they were in readiness. They had an inclination in their mind. They had an eagerness in their spirit to research and examine the scriptures daily. In other words, they totally deactivated their reasoning. They totally deactivated their thought life in the sense of reasoning and wanted to arguing against what is the truth. What they did is they had an inclination in their mind. They had a readiness in their mind. Now listen, I hear what the man of God says. I hear what the Karuks is saying. I can hear the divine truth that is released. But now I'm going to research the scriptures before I open up my mouth or my mind to think otherwise. And that's how I take thoughts captive. That's how I deal with unbelief. That's how I deal with disobedience. And that's how I come into obedience with Christ. These guys, and you know what? They were of more noble character. I like that. So nobility comes. Nobility comes to us when we deal with our minds. Nobility comes to the church of Jesus Christ when they start to have an inclination in their mind, an eagerness to search out and examine the scriptures. Now the word inclination means this, a desire, a wish, a readiness, an impulse. These guys were ready. They had a desire to search out the truth. They, were not a, they didn't have a desire to reason or argue or oppose. They had a desire. They had a, a wish. They had a readiness to search out the scriptures. That is how their minds were trained. I'm going to show you something just now. So that's what inclination means. They had the inclination of mind. And the second thing is this, and the eagerness searching out and examining the scriptures. That word eagerness, the definition is this. They had a keenness. They were enthusiastic about it. They had a zeal, a passion, an earnestness, a desire. I like this, a hunger and a thirst. You see the different spirit that was with these people? If your thought life is activated, you'll be arrogant. You'll be full of yourself. You will think things like this, well, I'm right, he's wrong. I know what I know. What are they going to tell me? So don't be quick in your thought life to be arrogant, standing up and opposing the truth. Rather have 
the heart of these. Listen, this is for all of us as a church. Rather have the heart of this people that says, I'm going to have a readiness in my mind. I might not understand what you're saying now, but I'm not going to have the posture of opposing or allow Satan to sit on the throne of my heart, masquerading as God, opposing everything that is God. I'd rather have the readiness of mind, the inclination of our understanding, and I'm going to have the readiness to go and research. I'm going to have the hunger and thirst to research out the scriptures for myself, to see whether what Paul taught, whether it was the truth or not. I've always told you this. Don't accept anything that I'm saying just for face value. But don't just oppose it because your thought life tells you different. That will lead you into unbelief and disobedience. Rather say, I will have a different posture. I'll go research the scriptures of God for myself. But don't come with an opinion and say but this is what I believe just because other men believe it. Go find it out for yourselves. But I'm just saying, obedience comes through truth. So if you believe something that is not totally the truth, then it means that you will always live a life of unbelief and disobedience. And therefore you can never come to a place of being fully secured and complete or perfected in Him. That's what the scripture says. We have to be ready. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 6. Being in readiness. Readiness to punish every disobedience. As a church. Until we come to the place of being fully secured. And completed. The word completed means to be perfected in him. Listen. I'm searching our truth. That's what I'm after. That's why the scripture says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 9. They must possess the mystic secret of the faith. Watch this. It means this. Christian truth as hidden from ungodly men with a clear conscience. When do you become ungodly? Do you know what the word ungodly means? It means you're abnormal. I searched it out. That's what the definition says. It means you're ridiculous. It means that which you believe is absurd. It means to be unreasonable. That's when you're ungodly. When you oppose the truth, that's when you're ungodly. So we have to possess the mystic secrets of the faith with a clear conscience. And a clear conscience can only come through obedience. Your conscience cannot be clear if you live a life of disobedience because disobedience will bring unbelief. And that will cause you to judge. That will cause you to reason. That will cause you to start to argue about the truth. But the Lord is saying, you have to possess the mystic secret of the faith. Which actually, then he explains it in the Amplified. He says, the Christian truth as it is hidden from the ungodly. So God is saying, I want you as my church to walk in the mystic secrets, which is Christian truth, which only can come through a clear conscience. And a clear conscience can only function and manifest in obedience. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Here it comes. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved, watch over and God blameless, faultless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's my prayer for you. Somebody say amen. That's what I'm praying. That God will protect you. Now Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The NIV says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's what the NIV says. Now the Greek word for mind here is phroneo. And it means this. Watch this. Watch this. I like this. It means to exercise the mind. Now let me connect it with what Sonia said the week before last week. When God spoke to her and said to her, how do you pull down strongholds? By changing your habits. How do you have the mind of Christ or the attitude of Christ? How do you start to exercise the right habits to pull down strongholds? By exercising your mind. So this whole deal is about exercising. In other words, you cannot give your mind free reign anymore. Listen to me, church. Many of you don't govern your thought life. Whatever comes in your thoughts, you spew it out of your mouth. And you are defiling other people's lives with your rubbish. Um, he said this, before open up mouth, open up brains. Or engage brains. Yes, that's what some of you should do. Before you open up your mouth, first exercise your mind. Yes. We have to exercise our minds. Exercise. In other words, how do you exercise your mind? When you have a thought that wants to come up, you say, I'm pulling it down. I'm bringing it into the obedience. You start to exercise, exercise, exercise. You don't throw your toys out of the cot because you, that's how you feel and that's what you're going to say and you don't care what other people say. That causes you to be an unbeliever and disobedience. And you will never come into the fullness of what God has for you. But if you come to the place where you say, I'm going to have this mind, this mind that Christ had, let this mind be in you. What mind? The mind of Christ, a mind that is exercised. The thiasis, he adds it to be that same mind. He says this, to be of the same mind, that is, agree together to cherish the same views to be harmonious. That's what it means to have this mind. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Amplified. Train yourself toward godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. You see, our biggest problem was this. We allowed our thought life to run rampant. We did not harness our thought life by exercising our mind to have the same mind as Christ and the same attitude as Christ. And the only way how we're going to punish disobedience then by pulling down strongholds, by taking thought life captive is by exercising our mind, by training ourselves. The vine says this, to think to be minded in a certain way. To become minded in a certain way will cause you to exercise your mind to think a certain way. To align itself with truth. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we can have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ can reveal itself and manifest to us more and more by we exercising our natural minds. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, the true living Bible. I like this. We Christians 
actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and mind of Christ. So you have the thoughts, but you have to exercise your mind to have the right thoughts. Otherwise, your thoughts will cause arguments, reasoning, every lofty thing that will oppose the truth will cause you to live in disobedience and unbelief and ungodliness. But if you're going to exercise your mind before you open up your mouth and have the mind of Christ, then the Bible says you have a portion, the very thoughts and mind of Christ. And when you have this thought, when you have this mind, then you will punish every disobedience till your obedience is fully secured and complete. 2 Corinthians, when being in readiness to punish every disobedience when your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The word renewing is the Greek word anakinosis, which means this, renovation. In other words, you have to renovate your mind, the way you think. The Thayers says this, it's a complete change for the better. This is exactly the same as repentance. Many people repent and repent and repent, but they don't bear the fruits of repentance. So I like what Eddie O'Neill says. If you repent, stop repenting. Let us see the fruit. If you want to change your mind, do a complete change now for the better. Get it done with. To renew according to the Webster's is to make new or as if new again. I like this. To make young, fresh, or strong again. To bring back into good condition. Some of your minds are in bad condition. Needs to be reconditioned. To cause to exist again. To reestablish, to begin again, to resume. And I believe when we come to this place, when we exercise our minds, then we will have the mind of Christ which he gave us in the beginning when we walked with him in the cool of the night in the Garden of Eden. To sink again without limitations, without any limitations that was put on our thinking by our experiences of the past, negative or positive. But that we will start to live an unlimited lifestyle that's only governed by the word of God. And the only thing we will pursue is the truth in the word of God that will become our plumb line for our thought life. Not our feelings, not our five senses, not what we see in the natural or what we perceive according to our experience of the past. But no, press into a higher dimension of life because the only thing that governs our thought life now is the Word of God. And by us having the mind of Christ, 
We will pull down every stronghold, every lofty thing, everything that wants to exalt itself above Christ, that wants to oppose the truth. And therefore, we will punish this obedience. And then, therefore, our obedience will come to a place of completion and security. But I believe that God is speaking to us. I really believe. And you know what? I'm not preaching. I'm preaching myself. I believe it's time that we should be ready to punish all disobedience. So when I talk to you again, I say to you, you have to punish all disobedience. In actual fact, what I'm saying to you is exercise your mind. Before you open your mouth, exercise your mind. What I'm saying to you is have the mind of Christ. What I'm saying to you, have the thoughts of Christ. Punish disobedience. Because you see, only through obedience can we come to a place of perfection. Only through obedience can we be fully reformed as a church. Only through obedience can we be the church of Jesus Christ on the earth the way that He wants us to be, the prototype. But we have to get back to our genesis in our thinking. We have been defiled by our experiences, by television, by things we read, things people say. We've been defiled by the opinions of men. We've been defiled by so many things that have shaped our thought life. Many things have shaped your thought life. Therefore, there's reasonings. Therefore, you argue. Therefore, you oppose the truth. You dispute it. But if you can pull down that stronghold, by exercising your mind to have the thoughts of Christ and therefore you have different habits of doing things like you normally did. Now your strongholds are being pulled down, cast away. Now you are punishing disobedience and the next thing that manifests in your life is obedience. You see, obedience is much more than just being obedient to what is said. If you don't deal with your thought life, you will struggle with obedience. You see, you first have to deal with disobedience before you can be obedient. Because disobedience is a wrong thought life. But I believe we can come to that dimension. What Jesus actually planned with Peter when he said, come out of the boat. That he would have such a thought life that's so governed by the Word of God. That there would be nothing that hinders him in his thought life to be connected with his senses, what he feels, what he had experienced, that can influence his belief system. That he would step out of the boat in the midst of the storm and the wind. And he would walk with Jesus in a higher dimension of intimacy. God wants us to get to that place. And this season you'll be challenged because you hear the words of truth. And there will be many things that will cause you to be offended, to stumble and to be hindered. But the way you deal with it is taking your thought life captive. And the way you take your thought life captive is by exercising your mind to have the mind and the thoughts of Christ. Hey. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. They are good thoughts, not bad thoughts, to give you a hope and a future. Even God's thoughts are good thoughts. 
So even his mind concerning you is a good mind. He that has begun this work in you will bring it to a place called the finish, which is a person, Christ Jesus. So come on. Let us, the church, be in readiness to punish all disobedience. We have to be ready. Ready to punish every lofty thing, every thought, everything that wants to exalt itself about us. So we can live in obedience. So we can come to the place called the finish and experience the fullness of Him. You know what is the biggest challenge that we have in the church concerning breaking through into the fullness of what God has for us? It's our thoughts. Our thoughts. It's like that guy that didn't come to work one day. And, and he phoned and he said to his boss, I'm not coming to, uh, I cannot, I'm not coming to, this, to work this, day, this week. He says, why? He says, I've got a sight problem. A sight problem. What's the problem? He said, I can't see me coming to work this week. Some of us have a thought problem. Come on. We have to start to think the way that he thinks. Because our thought life is limiting us. Now thought life is causing us to live in unbelief and disobedience. God has created everything for you. The inheritance he has left for you. But it can only be established by sons, which is higher sons, which is mature sons, which is sons like he is. That thinks like him, that has the same thought and same pattern of thought. Let this mind be in you. That's in Christ Jesus. Carnal mind is enmity between you and God. But let this mind be in you. Start to discern each other after the spirit and not after the flesh. Start to disengage your fleshly mindset that is opposing everything that is God. But start to engage the spirit mindset, the God kind of mindset, the Christ kind of mindset. He stored his life and you'll see your whole life will change before you. Start to exercise your mind to think like he thinks. To walk like he walks. To talk like he talks. Disengage your fleshly mindset that will just hinder you and trap you. Tap into the higher life. Step out of your boat. Step out of your boat. Step out of your boat. Don't look at the winds and the storms. Step out of your boat. Follow the way of truth. Let the will of God be done in your life. That's my prayer. Thank you for listening to this message. If you would like to find out more about Touch the Nations Ministries or inquire about the resources available from this ministry, please contact them at admin at ttn.co.za or visit their website at ttn.co.za. May God bless you as you grow from strength to strength in His infallibly magnificent Word.